0: We are looking in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born, the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that it would be rooted deep within our spirits, that we would know the truth of Jesus, the Savior King. We pray your blessing on each family here tonight. Let us just dwell in your presence in the celebration of the gift that you gave us so many years ago. Bless us and guide us in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Jesus is the hope of all mankind. Listen, I I don't, I don't know what, I, I can't name every family background in here. I know a lot of stories in this room. And when I watch what God's doing in individual lives and how he's taken individual lives and brought transformation into their lives and brought them out of places so many times where it would have been easy to give up, easy to feel sorry for yourself, easy to be mad at the world, easy to be disappointed, easy to be angry. And then you see them uh, walk through life, exercise their gifts. Many times sing on this platform or share testimony on this platform and you see the hope of God living in them. That what the enemy meant for destruction, God turned into life. And that all began on Christmas. It all began at the birth of a, of a baby boy 2,000 years ago that came from heaven to transform our lives and to give us hope and to give us purpose and to give us meaning. This morning, we discussed the need for a Savior and how for some, you know, that might even be hard for us to comprehend because we get so built up in ourselves that we, stop to, we don't stop to realize that the very signs around us, the universe around us, the stars in the sky, the creation around us speaks to the magnificence of a creator that we can't comprehend and that we're going to stand before him someday. And he's already proclaimed that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of his glory, but that he sent his son to save us. And when we begin to understand that we can't even understand his creation— fully how can we understand the creator fully we just have to lean into what he says to us and trust him and he makes it simple for us so we can celebrate at christmas time because we know that when we go to stand before god we can stand there under the grace of god because of jesus so we need a savior but this last thought on christmas on christmas and how much it matters it gets right into our business. Because see, we can kind of accept kind of on a, uh, you know, a mental term of, okay, I need a Savior. I'll accept that. I'll believe that. I'll put my faith in him and go on with our life. But remember, when he talks to us about needing to accept him as a Savior, we've got to put our faith in him to be our Savior. and We've got to confess him as our Lord. that gets to be pretty serious. It's not just, okay, okay. When I get to heaven, I, you know, I'm going to go through this life and I'm going to realize that my works aren't going to get me to heaven. and Anything good I do is not going to get me. Okay, I, I accept that. I accept that. And when I get to heaven, I'm just going to stand there and, and have faith in Jesus to get me. I'm going I'm to believe that. But when he says, hey, you also have to accept me as Lord. You've got you've to begin to follow me, to obey me. Wow. That that gets, that gets into our lives. That gets into every facet of our lives. Because see what the wise men came to seek, they came to seek a king. They were looking for a newborn king. And they were excited for what prospect that meant for the whole world that a newborn king would come. Christmas matters because we have a king. Now, I'm an American. I've not had much experience with kings. I mean, I've watched TV shows and movies with kings in them. When, you know, everybody comes in, they bow their heads, or they look away, or they bow on their knee, or they stand up, and they recognize his power. And that's about as much experience as I've had with kings. Our forefathers resisted the idea of a king. They intentionally set up a system for us to live in that has checks and balances so that no one would have control, ultimate power over us. The president would have certain powers, but that would be checked by Congress and by the Supreme Court. And Congress would have certain powers, but that would be checked by the veto power of the president and, and, and by the courts and the courts were supposed to have certain powers now they've, they've kind of they're kind of trying to rewrite that they're trying to become legislators now but there's supposed to be this, this system of checks and balances that keeps any one person or any one group of people from being that kind of authority over our lives that there would be a a group of people, a a plurality of leadership. And God was smart because he even said in the church, he said in the church, he didn't say go set up an elder. He wanted elders. He wanted a plurality of leadership there because he he knows how frail man is with power, how messed up we get with it. Today, we live in a country where if we don't like the judgment of one court, we can attempt to appeal to another one. If we don't like the way certain leaders are acting, we can try to vote them out of office. If we don't like what leadership is saying or doing, we have the freedom of speech, and we're not supposed to be arrested for using that freedom of speech or persecuted for what we say. But none of that is the case when you have a king. When you have a king a king is final authority he may set up some provincial leaders here and there but ultimately at the end of the day it's not going to be a court of people making a decision it's not going to be a group of people making a the decision there's a king who has the, has authority the three young men in babylon that refused to bow before the image that the king had set up understood the threat of the authority of a king paul understood the authority of a king when the pharisees were trying to convict him and trying to really trying to kill him and he appealed to caesar he knew that in going to caesar that would be final judgment final judgment the pharisees understood the power of even a local king when they brought jesus to pilate and they said we don't have the authority to kill him but you do you do. They understood the authority of the king. In Daniel's day, there was a law of the Medes and the Persians that once it was uttered, the, com- the command, it could not be altered. I hated it when my dad brought that up. He would say this is in the order of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be altered. Esther understood the power of a king. When she took the risk to enter his presence... Without being called for. Because in that day, if you came before the king without being called for, if he didn't extend his scepter to you, you'd be killed. For the most part, the run of earthly men as kings has been a failure. It's been a failure of justice because men get corrupt in their own in their own right. But friends, hear me. Jesus is no earthly king. He is the creator. He's all-knowing, and he's defined by love and by justice. He created us with the intent and the purpose of having a relationship with us where he could bestow his blessing upon us and we could receive it and be thankful for it. He created us for communion with us, and he created us and gave us a nature that if we followed after him, we would get along. It's only today that we have the mess we have in the world today is because we have rejected the king, and we live our way instead of his way. Christmas matters because when we give gifts and we set up lights and we sing songs, we admit that the king of all kings has come. Sometimes we don't understand, some people don't don't understand the hypocrisy of what they go about doing when they proclaim and celebrate Christmas and all that it means and does all the things that we do in it. What they're saying is a king has come. We're celebrating that the Savior of the world has come. When we say that we are saved, we say that we have accepted his work on the cross as our Savior, and we've put our trust in him to be our king, to be our Lord. We willingly come to him and say, I believe that in following you, obeying you, my life will be better and my eternity will be better. And we say that to believe and not obey is to rebel. We have a king who is the rightful judge of every word we say. He is the rightful judge of every action we take. He is the rightful judge of the very decisions of our hearts because they lay before him. Nothing about us is hid from him. He knows everything. He knows not only if we have been naughty or nice, he knows what we've purposed in our heart to be. He knows everything. When we invite him into our hearts, we say, you are now my king. Listen we say nobody else is king. Nothing else has a right to rule the way I live but you, not the boss at work. Ultimately, I have to obey the king. And so he teaches us to obey those in authority to a certain point. We obey those in authority as long as we can ultimately obey Him. But the second they tell us to deny Him, or to deny His truth, or to turn our back, or not to do what He's commanded us to do, then we have to say, as the apostles did, who are we to obey, God or man? Because ultimately, the boss isn't king. Ultimately, the coach isn't king. Ultimately, the culture of the day is not king. And ultimately, the government is not king. Ultimately, only he is king. I'm called to obey, the, to obey them by the king in every way that I can, to live at peace with those in authority over me until they tell me to live someplace that dishonors the king. Here lies what seems to be one of the toughest answers in all of this. When you get this, when you understand that he's king, it's freeing and it's peace-giving. It frees us from trying to figure out what's right and wrong just to seek him to do what's right and wrong. And it brings peace into our life. When I want to get mad, I'm reminded that he is king. When I want to cheat, I'm reminded that I have a king to serve. When I'm tempted to steal, I'm reminded that I have a king who's watching my every action. When I want to get even with somebody who's hurt me, I'm reminded of how much I have hurt my king and how he's forgiven me and how he calls me to forgive others. When I am in a tug of war with morality, I'm reminded that there is a king who's already made a decision about what is right and wrong. This is good news because, see, friends, in all of these areas and many more, we need a king. My family needs a king. My culture needs a king. The world needs a king. When the king rules, peace comes. It comes to our heart. When when the king rules, peace comes to our home. When the king rules, peace comes to the church. And listen, when the king rules, peace comes to a country. The more a country turns from him, the more we deny him as king, the more we set the rules instead of letting him set the rules, the more we ignore what he has said for us to live by as the king, the more confusion that comes, the more division comes, the more pain comes. Because see, friends, the world needed a king to come to tell us what's right and wrong. The more we put him in place as king, the better it will be all around you. The more those around you bow their will to him as king, the more peace you will have. And the more you bow to him as king, the more peace you will have in your heart. Listen, I want to speak to those of you who are heads of households today. Tonight, tomorrow, sometime, you're going to gather together with your family. Maybe if you haven't shared gifts already, you're going to share gifts, you're going to have a meal together. You have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity in that moment to take a second and to remind everybody of why he's your king, of why he should be their king of why we give these gifts and why we get to share these things and why we have so much hope and why in the the hours of our our most darkest, troubling times we have hope and we have joy and why in the midst of our greatest celebrations we're thinking about him. Friends, you have the opportunity to remind everybody, all those that you influence, of who the king really is. When the king is ignored, trouble comes. But rejoice, my friends, Christmas matters because a king has come. Put every influence in its place. Set Jesus as the king of your heart, and you will find the righteousness that comes from God. Friends, it wasn't just a baby that was born. It was the king of kings that was born. And we can rejoice that he walked this earth, and he revealed himself to us. We can rejoice that his presence is with us to guide us and to direct us. We can rejoice that he is the light of the world, and we can rejoice that he's our Savior. But let us not forget tonight as we leave this place, it is a good thing for us and for all those around us that we have a king who is based in love and justice. And when we follow him, it is a good thing. Amen? Amen. Father, we take this moment and bow our hearts before you. And I pray you'd just search our hearts and challenge us today. Father, maybe there are Christians here, people who put their trust in you, in your son, to be their savior. But Lord, there's some area of their life, some action of their life, some way they're acting in their home or in the workplace, some habit or attitude of their spirit, where you're not king. Where they're pushing, where we're pushing against your will. Father, we ask for your mercy today. And we we bow our hearts and we are reminded this Christmas Eve that you are our king. And Lord, I pray you challenge every one of us to obey you in every area. We pray for our country today, Father, that is wondering from the authority of your word. We think we've gotten smarter than you. Lord, help us, we pray. Call us to righteousness and the truth. And let us be reminded that you are our King. And Father, if there's anyone in this place today that's not taken that first step of just recognizing that they need a Savior that they're going to stand before you someday. And they need the Savior's work applied to their life. Then right now, Father, I pray, as they would cry out to you that you'd forgive them of their sin and move in their life. But today, Lord, I pray you'd let us leave this place filled with joy, filled with hope, filled with your purpose, filled with your will, because we know you are our King. And let us settle the issues of our life by trusting fully in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So every head's bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. We're going to pray a prayer together tonight. I don't know, maybe you've come in here because you're visiting a, a friend. Maybe you're here because you're visiting family. Maybe you've come because it's Christmas Eve and people have invited you to church. Maybe you come to church all the time. But if you really ask Christ to be the Savior of your soul, have you? Have you taken this most important decision and asked Him into your life? You're going to stand before Him someday. We're just going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with us today. And if you haven't done that, now's your chance just to join with us in a very simple prayer that we pray for your sake to give you a chance to say be the savior of my soul because we believe that everyone who calls on his name will be saved so let's all pray together father Father, i come to you in Jesus' jesus name i ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness i put faith in jesus to be, my to be my Savior. I put trust
0: in
1: Jesus. I put trust in Jesus to, be my Lord. to be my Lord. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen.